groups that have thrown together where a journalist will not even get in because they can see how dangerous they are. And that's the challenge. You know, that, that is really the challenge. If you've got 400 volts, you know, if you've got 600 volts in the wrong hands, could be extremely dangerous. All I would say is if somebody is trying to do this themselves, um, you know, have, have the right training, have the right background, you know, make sure you're buying from a reputable supplier. Um, you know, there are people out there pulling this and these apart and putting them into their Land Rovers, but I wouldn't recommend Before I start, thank you for listening. This is the Ignition Podcast. Get ready to fuel your passion for cars and motorsport every Monday and Thursday. We bring you stories, valuable career tips and tricks that will help you navigate the automotive world. So don't miss out. Follow the Ignition Podcast now and join the drive towards becoming the number one automotive podcast worldwide. Let's embark on this thrilling journey together. Enjoy the episode. Are classic cars destined to be rust or museum pieces? Now, you may love or hate that electric cars are here. But what if they could handle like classics, look like classics, but be bespoke to you? Everati and Justin Linney are on that very mission. I used to be an electric car cynic myself, but I love classic cars. And when I heard of Everati, I was shocked. Learning about the process gave me a newfound respect for the vehicles and the people behind them. But if you want to learn more about how Everati works, why they do what they do, or even know how to do it yourself, I'd consider listening or just at least listen for that cynic in you. And since this episode, I have found more and more companies like Everati, and I need to start thinking more about the future. I want classics to be driven, not kept behind bars, regardless of rarity, price, or stature. Imagine you could never see a DB5 being driven, or even a 250 GTO. Now, how would that make you feel? Justin, well, thank you for the podcast. There was a little question we'd like to start off with, and that is what ignited your passion for cars? <laughs> Great question. So I'm... Um... I, I can't actually remember it was that long ago, obviously. So I'm a, a lifelong car lover. Um, always been, yeah, hugely interested in cars. Um, family have had cars, but nothing what I would call special cars. But it's really just something that I think as a as a kid um, you just get into, and that you know it, that it is your passion. And I'm very lucky to yeah be in an industry that is clearly my passion. So it's been yeah it's been great. Yeah. And do you not have a, like, do you know, do you have a moment that you remember, maybe like as a, not as a kid, but like maybe late, uh, later on where you go, actually, that might be the reason? I think more than anything, I've always just loved, loved cars. I, you know, I, I used to uh, watch um, motor racing. I used to go to car events. Um, just, mm. just, just have that passion, really, right from day one. Yeah, my son is now eight. Um, first word was car. Um, so something runs, runs in the family, if you know what I mean. So, it's uh, yeah, it's just always been there, I think. He's, he's been trained well, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I mean, I, I say, like, for me, it was like playing, playing with cars. I used to have like a mat on my, on my bedroom floor and used to like drive the cars around the city. And it's interesting that like yeah. now that, that's like, it's ingrained in your brain and it can be a thing that you can now do. It, it blew my mind when I, when I found out like you can, you can get a job with cars. But, absolutely. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, when we're like, kind of, like, for bit, like people in your life, like maybe big influences, like what do you reckon like? Because this, this podcast is all about telling a story and it's all about mm. showing people what's possible. And for you, like, what do you think were like teachers, parents, all the things they taught you or they instilled in you earlier on that would like, explain like who you are today? So I think that my uh, my background is um, is really that you know, I didn't start off in this industry. I started off in, in tech and I've always um, loved design. I've always loved you know, things that sort of make are interesting from an engineering perspective. I love watches, for example, um, and that's pretty much driven by my uh, grandfather, who, um, whilst he was um, he was actually very poorly sighted, but he used to fix watches and clocks and what have you in his uh, in his home. Um, 
And yeah, if I'm honest, I, my uncle, I, I vividly remember having sort of a, you know, an SL Mercedes, various other vehicles as well. So just, just love that. I also had, um, yeah, the huge scale electric when I was a kid. So that was, um, you know, pretty much took my entire bedroom. The bed just got in the way, frankly. But yeah, things like that are, um, are, I think, yeah, inheriting a lot of kids, basically, you know, just that love of, uh, automotive. Um, and you know, my, my backstory is I wasn't in automotive. I was in technology, um, built my way up, built a couple of businesses, um, and, was lucky enough to um, sell those and then get into something that I'm really passionate about. Mm. Um, the key thing for me really is being able to ensure that these beautiful cars that we work on are here for the next generation. And that's the reality. You know, if we, if we don't do what we do, they will be lost and, and that's uh, or certainly not be able to be enjoyed anymore. That's for sure. So, yeah, that's really the background to why I'm doing what I'm doing. No, it's interesting. Like you say, it's um, like I've, I've read out articles and I've like saw the stuff you've done about Averati. It's clearly like you say about keeping these cars for a generation. It's it's, it's nice because in a way, I mean, technically, I am part of a generation because I might not, I might not be able to, you know, be able to see a, the um end of. Well, I will be able to see the end of petrol, and we'll, because it's coming up soon. But it's it's nice mm. to see that companies like yourself and Averati are doing that. You know, preserving the stuff for youth. That's right, you know, and we get, um, so we get a lot of inquiries from, um, both end customers who, who really want one of our vehicles, but will never drive combustion again. So that, you know, people generally in their thirties, early forties and, and beyond, there's people as well who are building cars for their kids. So they literally mm-hmm. are having a car built now with us, um, and have, you know, we'll use it for a period of time, but actually it's for their son or daughter. So that legacy piece, I think, is really exciting as well. Um, and the reason we do what we do, you know, not only is that, but we want to try and keep these cars as original as we can. So we still, you know, have, that, have the soul of the car, um, but it's just running under a different heart and actually being able to reverse that at some point should technology and, uh, you know, different fuels allow is quite interesting. Um, but for now, I think EV is, is the way forward to, to really keep these things on the road. Yeah, and you know, I think you're completely right. And, and and so when it comes to, like, I guess your career, because I'm interested in, like, again, the, the journey you've been on. So when you went into finding a career and when you looked at options, I mean, why didn't you pick automotive as, as a sector? So at the time, I think, um, I think it's a combination of things, actually. So when I, I guess my influences were that, you know, Technology was, was, was huge and, and coming yeah. on in, in leaps and bounds. Um, I worked for Hewlett Packard in, in, in the very sort of, yeah, my, my start, start of my career. Um, and I suppose the key thing there was that gave, gave me options, whether I then went into technology, went into financial services, automotive, um, that, yeah, there, are, there were always options. And I think I've always seen, you know, my career as, as stepping stones. It was never something that I was going to do forever. Um, so it was in technology, then in financial services, now in automotive and, you know, who knows what next. But, uh, yeah, this is certainly the most enjoyable and, and ignites the passion, that's for sure. Yeah. No, it's interesting because it's like, um, I mean, especially for me, like I worked, I worked hospitality for about five, six years and I went, mm. okay, I've done my stint. I, like, again, you, you guess you pick up skills, don't you? Um, when you do work in different industries. Absolutely. And for me, like I was quite introverted as like a 16, 17 year old. And that really took me out of my skin. Like that really, you, you're thrust in front of people. You have to speak to these people. Otherwise, you know, they don't get their food or they're, they're angry. It's, it, it, it does teach you immense communication skills. 
And I'm interested from your point of view, Justin, like if you look at your career so far and you look at where you've worked, what is the the best of the like you know skills you've learned? If you could distill all of that time in the industry, what is it? What is it given you skill wise? What has it taught you as a person? I think the key thing is is being able to deal with with people. I mean, we, yeah, we deal with people both in terms of business consumer. So I'll be honest, a lot of our uh, customers are extremely successful in their own right. So they are leaders in in their own field, whether it be technology, sustainability, the arts, um, they are they're people at the top of their game. Mm. Um, being able to deal with them and actually distill their desires when it comes to a car is 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 really enjoyable. Um, we also have our B2B business. So we you know and that is a lot of my background actually dealing with other businesses that want to also create their own Everati, you know, and actually sort of that power yeah. by Everati is, is really exciting. So I think it really is dealing with people at, at, at all levels. Um, you know, we're working with some very, very large, you know, the, the leading luxury brands in the world right now. Um, no one knew three years ago that a luxury brand necessarily would want, would want to build a, a really cool electric car, but, but that's what's happening. And, and again, it's, it's opening up those, those concepts, those ideas. Um, you know, some would call it sort of blue sky thinking, but it really is, you know, what, what's the art of the possible? And we're fortunate enough to have been in a position where the last four years we've developed our platforms, we've developed um, methodologies to build virtually any car, although that's not what we do today. We're very, very specific. Um, and that gives us the opportunities to then take that to market. So that's that's the key thing, really, is being able to identify opportunities, talk to the right people and, and move things forward. Yeah. And so... so you- so you know you came you know you know you left you've left you've left tech and you've gone to Everati. Like, why did you start this company? What was the what was the aim? What was the, the ethos behind it? Well, look, I, I think the key thing is um, we see ourselves actually as a tech company. Mm. So it, it, so I haven't left tech. I've just moved that yeah. tech experience in, into into automotive, and I think that's a real driver. Um, you know, you'll hear Elon Musk say that most automotive companies actually don't realise they're tech companies. Um, and that's been apparent, I think, with uh, unfortunately a lot of British automotive companies that are no longer with us because they haven't moved with the times, um, mm. which is a real shame. So I think you know, it's all about the underlying tech. It's about building a brand and it's about building quality. You know, my background was uh, my last businesses were in uh, financial services. They, they were regulated. You know, you, you get things wrong, bad things happen, like people lose a lot of money. And we're in the same boat. Yeah, we are. We're building cars we're building technologies that yeah as close as possible get things right first time but also lots of different things around safety and, and reliability um that i think we're, we're leading the space in and, and i think that that's really exciting because again the people that we, we you know we're dealing with expect things to be right um and if they're not right they, ex- they expect them to be to be resolved so that that side of things i think is um you know has been great experience from from previous elements of my career yeah and for people listening that, that you know maybe don't know much about Averati, what was your like? What was the first car you guys did, and what was that thing that really that like, you put you on the map in terms of you know automotive? So, so we did. We decided early to do um, to do two things. The first one was not just to focus on one mark, one mark. Um, so not just Porsche, not just Land Rover, but actually we see ourselves as a kind of a sustainability and luxury overlay to cars that people already love and enjoy. So um, we had a two-pronged approach really so we started developing both our 4x4 platform which um, is in our series Land Rovers and then is growing into our Defenders and other 4x4s which is great um, and indeed our Porsche um, which is mm. the, the 964 
Um, you know, I remember doing, you know, watching Harry Newey, who's um, Adrian Newey's son, doing donuts around a very wet track at Dunsold in December 2020, for example. So we did a lot of pre-testing back in uh, back in the early days, and then in May, end of May 21, we launched our first car to the market, which was a red. 964 wide body at Joe Macari in, um, in town in London. So, um, so, so we're certainly very known, I guess, initially for the Porsche. The Land Rover has been coming on strong. Uh, you know, we've got multiple orders, uh, for both. We're building cars for, for a number of clients, uh, now. Um, and, and what we're finding is it's different clients for different cars, but interestingly, then we've got clients who want both. And in fact, they want other vehicles that we're doing. So we're in a really interesting space where, being not single mark has been really successful for us. Um, and then, of course, because we focus on the platform, which is either front engine, rear drive, four wheel drive, and then the kind of mid engine, rear, rear drive, supercar type platform, um, that gives us opportunities to then develop some really, really cool stuff as well. Yeah, no, it's very exciting. I guess it's this electrification space, isn't it? Where you see all these companies that are, I mean, they're specializing in it, maybe knee type, or they're specializing in, like you say, a 964. But I mean, for you, Justin, like, if you could create your ultimate Everati car, what I'm just, I'm just thinking of putting these Lego pieces together. Like, what would that look like? Hmm. Um, one of them we've been asked to do already, uh, which we haven't oh, done oh. yet, uh, is a 300 SL Roadster, uh, which is a pretty cool car. We've got a, a gentleman who's in in uh, in Florida, um, loves Mercedes. Um, is is very very keen on that that type of car, and I, I think I would do something very very similar. Um, people may gasp and say, "Wow, how how could you?" But again, what we're doing here is keeping these and being being able to be used for future generations. Now, everything we do is keeping that car as close to original as possible. We don't cut the chassis, we don't cut cut the body. It is essentially it's like an engine swap. So, um, and I'm sure you know, there's been decades of people taking their 250 short wheelbase on the track. Uh, they don't use the original engine for that. They put in a you know a race engine and, and then swap it back out again. So there's a history of doing that at the, at the very high high level. But yeah, something like a 300 SL Roadster, um, Ubercore, um, and you know would improve frankly the driving experience for for most people um, who would like to use that in a you know, whether it's an urban environment or go for go or go on a GT road trip certainly as well. Yeah, no, it's great because it's very similar ethos to, I guess, what um, electric classic cars are doing with like the whole, it's an engine swap, we're not ruining your car sort of mm. thing. And it's important to let people know that, yeah, it's, it's an electric motor at the end of the day, but it's, you're not, I guess you're not, you got, especially what you guys are doing, like, you're not taking anything away from the experience. In fact, you know, and if you could explain it for me, because I don't quite understand the, the way you guys are able to mimic a gear shift as well. Yeah, so I think, you know, you've you mentioned something else that's in, in a similar space. We are, we entirely redefine a car. So we don't just plonk a, you know, used Tesla, Nissan Leaf motor yeah. in something. You know, each of our, each of our models is about four or 5,000 hours of development. You know, my team is ex-McLaren, Bentley, Lotus, JLR. So really they are, um, probably the best automotive engineering talent in the UK and, and arguably in the world. So, Give you one example that the motors we use are Helix motors. They, they're average 20 to 40,000 pounds per motor. So yeah, we were at that very, very high, high end. And I think that's what people are gradually realizing is that like any industry, there is, there's a, you know, there's a sort of standard approach and then there's a fully engineered in the same way as 
singer you know singer spend an awful lot of money on their engines and getting that right we're in exactly the same place from an ev perspective so um the, the the engineering time is really in a combination of things so first of all ensuring the structure of the vehicle is not damaged so we're not just using um you know we're using full cad techniques CAD, computer, computer engine aided engineering to ensure that the weight is in exactly the right place um yeah right through to mimicking the dials so they look absolutely original but with ev um you know with, with ev data things like the gear selector and then things like noise and things like um gear shifting so none of our cars use, use an original gearbox per se um our land rover is the only one that has a um has a transfer case because again we wanted to mimic the, the two and four wheel drive and the high and low ratio um but no electric car in, in our world really should retain anything to do with the original gearbox. It's a point of failure, it's extra weight, um, and actually most people would just leave it in second or third anyway. So, um, but what we are doing is working a lot on software. So actually some of our supercar uh, activities, certainly around the GT40, we're working on actually mimicking a gear change so that it gets to a certain point you can feel uh, a kick in the back as it were, and then the noise changing. So. Those sorts of things, again, are pretty unique. Um, and I think actually unnecessary to most, but some people like the idea if they're moving from combustion to, you know, to something else. The interesting thing is, um, for example, on our Porsche, we've got sound uh, on our Porsche today. Most people just switch it off. I've got a Taycan Turbo S uh, I, I use as my daily car. I switch the sound off most of the time. So it's kind of an interesting thing. You kind of, I think it's that comfort factor initially. People like the idea there's some noise there, but after a while, yeah, the, the pure acceleration and the power behind it um, kind of almost makes it unnecessary. I think you're right. I mean, most people don't like change there, do they? And they're scared of the whole point. I guess the whole point of people not liking electric cars is it's taking away that, like you said, the, the, the noise and the, the vibration, but you can give it to them. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the film Dilemma. The Dilemma. Mm. That they did a thing with them. Um, the whole thing was like they built a Dodge that was electric, but That's they added right. the engine noise in the, the voice and the, the whole the whole car shook. And then, yeah. like for you, is that where you see it going? Um, honestly, no. Uh, we, we, there are people that probably would like some of that, but actually, um, I think realistically, I mean, I think Richard Hammond said it five, four, five years ago now. People hear the V8 and they'll. But, but actually, in, in the new world, they won't miss the V8 and actually the sound. And I think, you know, there are elements of a bit of fun, but it is only a bit of fun and you switch it off, as is the reality. Um, we've got clients who, who love the idea of the sound and they will have it. And it's a it's, it's really nice experience. But in the main, they, they just want something that's got, uh, it's got its own character. You know, our 911 is, is lighter than the original that it's based on. So it's still really... Um, you can still throw it around. It's got the right weight distribution. You have far more engagement with the car through that than you would necessarily through some sound. Um, you probably know in Norway, you know, kids are actually calling uh, combustion engine farting cars because they because the noise they're not used to it. You know, EV is now so prevalent in Norway, um, and I've had it. You know, I've had it at the school gates. Kids just don't like the fact that that something's pumping something out whether they know that it's relatively clean or, or a classic is almost irrelevant. So I think we are moving rapidly now into a world where people won't miss the, miss the noise. You know, I, I was fortunate to be at Le Mans, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
yes, that's partly about noise and, and people will miss elements of that. But I think um, what they really like is that that motor racing, the fact that people are up against each other. Um, and yeah, there are other aspects to, to the racing other than noise, as you, as you know. Yeah, I think people people like racing more. I like racing because it, you know, it demonstrates a, a skill that, you know, you don't have. I mean, some people are great drivers, but I mean, unless you're, you know, trained within an inch of your life, you're not going to be able to throw a car around a track the same way Lewis Hamilton or, you know, That's right. Marco and Tracy Kelly. It's not, you know, it's not going to happen. That's right. Exactly right. So, so I think, so, so to answer your question, I think there are, there's a time and a place for noise for NDH and you can, you can build some of that back in. Um, yeah, we're working on some supercar projects right now where it's far more about the, the weight, the weight distribution um, and the overall performance. And that's the other interesting thing about EVs is that I think we're now reaching a limit where uh, on some of the hypercars, it's, there is no point in going quicker than two seconds to 60. I mean, y- yes, you can, um, but you might black out and you might yeah. also kill yourself and a number of others. So actually, how do you get engagement into those sorts of vehicles, and it is about balance. It is about adding lightness, as, as, as the famous Lotus um, uh, kind of terminology. So it's really about how do you ensure that the drivability of that vehicle makes it as exciting as possible. Um, and yes, noise is part of that, but actually, there's far more around balance and far more around um, how you can place the car and, and other things. That um, you know. That's really, I think, the challenge for the EV industry is to, to make them interesting um, and exciting. But, you know, there really is no point in going any faster uh, than they're already doing. And, and you know, I think that that will become limited at some point as well. Yeah. And uh, this next question, now I'm not suggesting anyone that, you know, isn't electrical engineer or isn't, you know, certified or can do this. But I'm interested for the people that maybe, you know, because... People tune their cars because they want a faster car. Maybe they can't mm. afford an M3, so they, you know, they tune their 320. So I'm interested in, you know, for you and maybe, you know, the, the, what you've learned so far. You mentioned challenge. So I'm interested. Like, what would be the challenge for anyone to go out there and do what you're doing now themselves? Like, what would you say is the the things they might come up against or the hard the hard parts of doing that? You mean you mean something like us in terms of a business or just a, a sort of a, a DIYer? It's a, a DIY, yeah. I mean, learning, learning what okay. you've learned. I mean, obviously, you guys that like you say you, you do this bespoke. It's all, all about you know the car and elevating that experience. But maybe for a DIY, yeah, a DIY, what would mm-hmm. you say would be the challenges? Good grief! I mean, look, I think the, the, it's not straightforward. Um, there are there are kits out there, um, but I would say that the problem with some of that is, by definition, you're dealing with high voltage. You're dealing with um, you know a a vehicle that will kill you if you're not careful. Um, yeah. You know, we've had experience. We've been done various things at various uh, events like the Top Gear Test Track, and there's been other vehicles that have, how can I put it politely, been kind of um, thrown together where a journalist will not even get in them because they can see how dangerous they are. Yeah. And that's the challenge. You know, that that is really the challenge. If you've got 400 volts, you know, if you've got 600 volts, you've got you've got a, a technology that is really safe in the right hands, but in the wrong hands could be extremely dangerous. So I think all I would say is if somebody is trying to do this themselves, um, you know, have, have the right training, have the right background, um, and, um, you know, make sure you're buying from a reputable supplier. Um, you know, there are people out there pulling Nissan leaves apart and putting them into their Land Rovers, but I wouldn't recommend it. 
no, it's just yeah, it's good to let people know, though, isn't it? I guess yeah. it's like you don't want people to go, and it's not the same thing. Like you can't just take your four pot and put a VA. That's a lot easier. Like what, you're, what you guys are talking about is is it's serious difficult. stuff. Yeah, it is. And look, don't be wrong. It's uh, there are ways of doing it. As I say, it's just more. Um, it's not just that. You know, if I've got kids, you know, I would not want to see a vehicle that has been frankly hand hand built by somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, and then me getting it let alone people that i uh i care for so i think it's really that it's that you know making sure the brakes are right making sure the suspension is right making sure it's not just about the end you know the, the powertrain um yeah we go to yeah again thousands of hours of development on our track to ensure that everything is set up correctly um versus just driving it around the car park once and seeing that the, it switches on so it's a very different methodology um uh, but you know, and that comes at you know a not insignificant cost, but it but it's just kind of kind of uh, the way we like to do things, really. Yeah, and I know Eberati is still quite a new company. You guys have been going for what is it five years now? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And um, what what were the challenges you guys faced early on? What was the the stumbling well, blocks and the hurdles? So, so I guess the biggest challenge, or not the biggest challenge, but one of the biggest challenge, really was, um, you know, we started really started the business 18 2019 really sort of formalized things uh started raising money um in about february 2020 and if you if you remember what happened in march 2020 um uh at the whole world shut down so that was interesting trying to trying to really tell the story about this new idea uh to people that were all on teams or on zoom in in, in many parts of the world but yeah. we, but we got there so which is fantastic the other thing that was interesting was then recruiting engineers so you know, there were people that were leaving Lotus, uh, JLR, Bentley, um, and we were really fortunate insofar as they were approaching us, you know, and, and that's the really exciting thing. Yeah, we, we created a, I, I think we created a buzz fairly early, um, excuse the pun when it's EV, but we, we, we created a buzz. But actually, um, what we offer engineers is quite an exciting proposition. You know, if you're working for a major OEM, um, unless you're very, very senior in a business, your involvement in a vehicle is probably quite very important, but it might be very small. So it might be anything from a suspension arm, uh, a lighting system, a cigarette lighter, I don't know, but quite modest parts of a vehicle. Somebody joins Everati, they're responsible for end-to-end the powertrain in a vehicle that people already are really excited by. So, you know, everything from full, full CAD scanning, CAD engineering um, and, and identifying the right components for that vehicle uh, through to trial fit, build, testing on our track and then, frankly, taking taking it to a show um, and, and seeing customers delight at, at wanting to buy one. So you're seeing the entire journey and, and that's really unusual in the automotive industry. So that, 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 that was a challenge initially finding the people but then they came to us and then, if I'm honest, the third challenge um, on the back of that was uh, we we recruited them all in COVID. Um, and then, if I'm honest, we met most of them that are over six foot two, um, and they can't actually get in any of our cars. So we have to take things like seats out of our GT40 for testing. So that's been exciting. <laughs> well, it's quite apt, though, isn't it? Because I think there was a story about when you know Ken Miles was testing the GT40. I mean, there was the, the seat had to be taken out of that for the computer. So there's a history of right. seats being taken out of GT40s. So you know, it's part of it's part of the journey. Part of the fun, absolutely right. Yeah. Um. And, you know, so, like, again, when you bring people into variety, the the culture that you guys have, like, because it's because you've got not a, not a massive team, but it's it's, it's still mm. quite a big 
But so what is that important for you to you know, nurture within within the, within the team? Uh, look, it's it's all about having 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 fun in a way that you know we are we are creating vehicles that hopefully will be with us for decades to come. So we're using you know they're not ours, they're they're a Porsche, they're a Land Rover, they're a Mercedes, whatever it might be, but but they're so important to be kept alive. And and that is a big responsibility. You know, this is not about just chucking, you know, a, a new powertrain in and, and hoping for the best. This is, you know, everything we do, everything goes back to the chassis. Everything is built up as if it's a, a new vehicle um, for people who are really excited by by the proposition of having something like this. So having, having that fun and enjoyment of really getting involved, and it's a passion, you know, really is a case of you're involved in something that, is going to be hopefully with that family or or somebody else's family for, for a long long period of time. Um, very very flat structure. You know we we all talk to, to each other um, and then partnerships are really important as well. So you know as you may know we build all, all our Porsches in Irvine in California um, uh, today. So they're built in this, by the same team that built the first 150 Singer Porsches. So. Mm-hmm. Ensuring that, that those relationships internationally are, you know, are managed and are um, developed is, is really exciting. And we'll be, you know, we'll be over at Pebble Beach um, this year with one of our cars as an example. So, you know, from a from a fairly standing start, we are we're on a really interesting uh, trajectory now, which is yeah, it's exciting for everybody, not just me, but but everybody in the business, as you can imagine. Yeah, and you mentioned trajectory. I'm just thinking about you know the future. And, and technology is, is a big part of your life in, in a variety. So for you I mean, personally, like where do you see AI going and, and do you guys plan on using it? Do you use it? I'm just interested in like... Uh, AI side. specifically. Yeah. Look, I think um, I think uh, as a world, we need to be quite careful uh, about AI. I think there are uh, opportunities and, and threats. Um, we as a business today don't have any involvement in AI, but we are looking at other kind of technologies that are coming through around not only vehicle control and, and advances mm. there, but also the, the world of NFTs. You know, why wouldn't you have an NFT version of an Everati as an example? Um, yeah, arguably, it's very, very um, uh, kind of good for the environment if it's uh, if it's if it only, only exists in the digital world, for example. But, um, but no, AI for me personally, I think... Um, yeah, there are real potential advantages, especially around, you know, advancements in science and the medical world and various other areas. But I think, um, as always, we just need to be a little bit mindful of what, what, what the downsides might be as well. Yeah, no, it's interesting because there's, there's some stuff that I, don't, I can't remember the company's name, but they were looking at taking AI and using it into, you know, integrating it into tuning, for instance. Yeah. And so like yeah, they were looking absolutely. at how quickly can you tune a car using you know, artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. There, there, there are there are ways, I'm sure, um, of doing some of this. I think for us, because the car, the cars that we're, we're dealing with are so, they all have a character. They all have a history. They all have a a, a reason for being. The, re- the reason they are iconic is because you know either they've been, you know, like the Porsche has been seen in, in you know it's been seen on tracks. It's been seen by people. Um, and, and enjoy by people for decades now. If you think that over 70% of all 911s are still on the road, um, and that's really quite, that's huge, you know, and similarly, similarly with Land Rover um, series and, and Defenders. So I think from that perspective, um, yes, AI could help, but actually we're about making them as, as realistic as we possibly can. And we have time to do that is the thing. You know, we, we get 
We do testing against combustion engine counterparts of the, of the original cars. Um, you could argue some of that could be done more quickly, but be less fun. Yeah, I think you're right. It's just making sure that you know you can have a you can have a computer test something, but when you get in as the human being, you know you're not a computer. It's not going to feel the same. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Um, yeah, sorry, Karen. Yeah, and look, you know, the reality is it's about the people driving these things. You know, people, you know, they're not just machines. They have a character. They have a personality. They are, people love them for what they are. And, that, and that's the key thing for us is trying to, trying to retain that and, and, and where we possibly can improve that clearly. Um, so it's not just about um, reducing the emissions, but it's actually about, again, the weight balance, making sure that it is, that, that it's as it should be. Um, and that's all really about that feel. Yeah, is the driver sat in the driver's seat enjoying it? Um, there's very little you can do, I think, to mimic that in the digital world. Um, yes, you could get a sim and, and you know start testing things that way, but in reality, it comes down to to, to, to the driving experience, really. Yeah, I think you're completely right. Like the whole point, the whole point of cars is that you are. Well, no, I guess it's the whole point, but you know. The, especially when you talk about you know enthusiasts and people that you know are coming to you especially because they love oh they love classic cars people love classic cars because of you know the way they used to handle the you know the nostalgia associated with them so if you start messing and putting computers in them they don't feel like classic cars anymore yeah that's right no exactly right and don't worry, everything we do has to be electronic controlled to a point right so um each of our cars will have its own version of a, a CAN bus, so it's a, 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 an area, you know, a network within the vehicle, but only to, to, to sort of make sure it's safe and reliable and things like batteries are disconnected when it might come to a shunt and those sorts of things. So, um, but, the, but the industry is, is, is really exciting. You know, I think um, yeah, we, we've got peers, whether it's Lunas, whether it's Kindred Motorworks, whether it's Icon Cars in, in the US, we're all doing this slightly differently, but actually, um, I think there's a there's a common goal here, which is to ensure that we are doing it in in the right way. You know, if you think there's over half a billion car enthusiasts globally, there's 74 million collectible car cars globally. People assume this is a small market, um, but it's worth billions of, of dollars. Um, but but I think the key thing here is to make sure it's all being done correctly, um, because you know when people do unfortunately have accidents in these things. Yeah, making sure that they are um, built properly and ensure that all the safety systems that could be in there are in there. And that's what's really difficult, I think, for the OEMs. You know, I think OEMs have looked at this market to do it themselves. Because if you're buying a classic from whether it's Jaguar, Porsche, Aston, Dodge, doesn't really matter. Um, you would expect that to have certain characteristics uh, even though you know it's a classic, um, it might be around crash structures. It might be, you're just not going to get that in a in a classic car. So there's there's always limits that you have to adhere to and just make them as safe as you possibly can. Yeah, I think it's great because also with and with OEMs and I, I mean I know I mean no disrespect from what I'm about to say, but you know they've got lead times. They have to get cars out on time. They have to you know they have to manufacture this in these in mass, and you know things get missed or you know quality is sacrificed. And I guess with with companies like you guys Lunas, you know you get a second chance of making a car even better than it was at the factory that's right you know and i think i mean it ne better never stops you know we've got uh we've got um vehicles already at the moment we're upgrading batteries on as an example where um because of our good new technologies are coming through we want to ensure that each car is is as current as possible now 
that's part of the ownership experience. So, you know, we will create that beautiful 911, for example, um, and through its life, we will upgrade the batteries and the batteries will then go into second use. They might go onto, onto home uh, energy storage or, or, or as, as you probably know now, um, there's a lot of recycling opportunities in, in batteries. But um, being honest, if you buy your brand new EV today, you're not going to upgrade that because you can't. You know, it, it, it is what it is and it's what it, it, as, as it comes out of, uh, out of the factory. So, you know, again, we see ourselves really, you know, if you look at the 1.4, I think it's 1.4 billion ice cars on the road globally, um, we're, we're at that very high end. We're creating bespoke electric cars. Um, but we're also creating cars that, again, have that legacy. They can be upgraded over time. So when people are buying into an Everati, um, they have that ability to to keep it, use it, enjoy it, and upgrade it, which I think is, again, pretty unique in, in, in automotive today. Yeah. And I'm just interested, um, Justin, you mentioned better never stops. And I just, for me, that, you know, if you're open yeah. to talk about it, like your your journey with mental health through this, mm. I know it's we've taken a completely different twist but yeah. i'm just thinking you know entrepreneurialism is it's renowned for being hard people don't do it for it's not the faint of heart so for you like what has your journey been with it how have you dealt with you know struggles or hard times or you know all the good times yeah. as well it's a good question i think part of the reason i do what i do generally and, and be entrepreneurial is i want to you know improve myself generally um uh, and sometimes that's not straightforward you know you get a lot of challenges you get a lot of um <coughs> things that you want to improve on for yourself um, and I think that it's, it's all about having people to talk to it's all about having um, uh, I guess areas of, of focus you know if you put yourself into something and, and if you're learning all the time I think that really really helps um, so I think it's it's really a journey where you have to have that core you have to have that core strength if you you know and, and sometimes that's not always there you know everyone knows that you know they have down days and, and what have you um, but really, yeah, talking to other people, talking to peers, talking to people in the, you know that, that have kind of been with you along the way um, is really, I, I suppose, the best way to, to cover that. And thankfully, you know, I'll be honest, I think thankfully there are um, a lot more resources out there for people to uh, to get help in areas that they might need to, um, depending on their age. And I think, that, unfortunately, this is completely off topic, but I think the yeah. you know, the, the youth. Um, uh, mental health <coughs> challenges are not well catered for today you know and, and it, you know it, it's the it's the other big pandemic really which is mental health for 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 children and young adults and um there's not enough provision for that today there are systems being developed but yeah that's that's the real thing i think that um that would be great to see is putting yeah people putting more effort behind that yeah no i completely agree with you like you say it's um again we, we'll go we'll come back to cars, but I think it's just important to mention that you know re, I think the reason people struggle and the reason I probably personally I've had issues in the past has been that you struggle to communicate, and mm. I think these big phones you have in your hand don't help because you know no. they give you they give you dopamine hits they give you all this all this you know serotonin all this stuff right. you you can't get you can't you can get from other people but you have to go out and find it and I think that you know it's no one teaches you how to use social media no 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 I'm, you know. It's an interesting topic because my wife is developing a business to do exactly that, which is to provide yeah. support for children, young adults. And I think, um, I mean, her background is she was bullied as a child. She had anorexia. Um, she openly says if she lived in, if she'd grown up in today's world, she may not be here due to, due to the pressures of social media and everything else. So I think um, 
it's a huge issue um, and actually being able to find resources when you need them. And as you say, you know, the world of Instagram is entirely manufactured in most cases, you know, and, and having that as a as a goal is scary for kids because you can't, you know, it's not real. Um, and finding other things to sort of occupy your mind and occupy your 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 sort of mental well-being is so important and i think just there's just not the support unfortunately today and you know i'll be honest it massively worries me as a parent as you can imagine you know i don't want my i want yeah. my kids to be able to get the support they need and, and not feel they have to um comply or, or sort of match what, what other people are, are being seen to be doing on social media because most of it's not true yeah i think that's it isn't it you you've um everyone's guilty of it you show your best you show your best side you show all your wins mm. people very very rarely show their losses absolutely right yeah that's very very yeah. true um so yeah and it's really important and i think um you know again it's off topic but i think um i mean you know my wife used to own and run children's nurseries and she's she's now got children at sort of 17, 18 that went through her nurseries and she's still connected to some of the parents and to see yeah. some of the struggles those, you know, um, those people are having is, is, is really quite hard. So, um, and again, the provision unfortunately is, is not there yet. So I think uh, anything that can be done to improve that is, is hugely important. Yeah, that's interesting. And I guess as an, as an employer yourself, like making sure that if you do hire apprentices and youth, that, you know, that's catered for. And on that topic, like what is your, the outlook on hiring, you know, apprentices. Do you guys have apprentices? Do you look at doing that sort of schemes and we that do. sort of way? Like- yeah, we do. And we want to do more of it. So today we have had apprentices. We've, had, we've got some sort of work experience uh, folk as well. Um, the challenge, if I'm honest, for us as a small business is trying to ensure that those individuals are looked after in an environment where it's quite fast paced. Um, yeah, we don't have the resources of a big company sort of, to gradually take them them on and you know it's not just their time it's somebody <coughs> looking after them's time so mm. but, over, but, but over time we, we intend to do a lot a lot more of that and um you know at the end of the day the demographic we're we're trying to build cars for um is increasing the younger demographic which is yeah so actually being able to uh, provide services and cars and experiences to people who are um, in that age group um, is, is, is hugely important, actually. So um, we do have some, um, but as a small business, as you can probably imagine, it's 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 limited today. Yeah, no, it's like I say, your your where you put your resources, I guess, is is the most important thing. If you're not focusing on you know the future or or you know keeping the company going, like it's it's great, like in theory, to have. A bunch of young people running around a, uh, but running around, but you know, working in a working in a workshop on classic cars for, for their own purpose, for for their own you know benefit. But you know, it sadly can't be done all the time. Right. No, exactly right. No, indeed. So, um, but no, I mean, our, our engineers, generally speaking, have done you know been through their education, probably had two or three years, um, if not more, within you know within OEM. Um, and then and then find themselves with us, which is which is great. So they've had that OEM training, the OEM, OEM experience. Um, you know things like passive safety, things like um, failure analysis. There's there's so many elements of what we do um, that are hugely important. So you have to have that level of expertise really before before you come to an environment like ours. 
Yeah. And just just on that note, I mean, for you, like if I was, you know, I'm 16 years old, I'm coming to, I mean, I'm, I found you on LinkedIn or wherever I found you, I messaged you and saying, what for you, like what is important for me to get across as a young person that shows I'm interested and want to work for you guys? Hmm. I think the key thing really, I mean, it's, it's all about that passion, you know, it's, it's, it, in life, I think it's all about having, and this, don't be wrong, is, is harder if, you, if people find it harder to communicate, but there's other ways of de- de- developing, you know, ideas around, whether it's passion, whether it's um, interest with levels, clearly, you know, the right experience is, is useful, but not always, ne- not, not always necessary. Um, but I think it really is. It's all about showing that you have a, a real desire and passion to do something. Um, and it's not just a job. And, you know, I think that's, uh, that's historically a very big issue in, in lots of parts of education. You'll get people who, you know, maybe go through school and, and have a careers advisor and careers advisor who you can't, you can't do that. It's not, a, not a career. And then find people five, 10 years later being hugely successful in that, yeah. in that career. Um, yeah, the, 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 the careers advisor thought wasn't, wasn't worth going after. So follow your passion, follow your dream. And I think, um, you know, people are, it's all about the people. It's all about that kind of, um, ability and willingness to get on and learn and do something, um, something for, you know, for a corporate, for an individual. Um, so I think, yeah, it's just really trying to be the best person you can and, and, and see it from that, that organization's eyes as well in terms of what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. I think dream, dreams are incredibly important. And for, I mean, for Justin, for, for you and Everard, like if I was to go to you and say, you know, you're going to have the best possible, you know, the next five, 10 years are going to be, you know, whatever you want. If I was to say, you know, you can, you can have X, the goal can be X, what would X be? Oh, good grief. I mean, we've got people on our team right now who are in their um, yeah, early to mid twenties. There is no limit, frankly, you know, we're looking to grow this business massively. It doesn't matter what, how old they are, what, you know, who they are. If they've got that ability and that passion, um, you know, I want them to hugely succeed because that's what it's all about. You know, the, the reality is um, I've always been a great believer in hiring people around me that are far more skilled <laughs> than I am. Um, and, and have far more ideas, frankly. So there is there is no limit. You know, it, it's all about that you know, that attitude um, and commitment to doing something. And and if people are willing to put that in the extra mile, then you know they will they will succeed. I genuinely believe that. Yeah, I mean, in your in your personal life, like in, in five years, what would you like to be doing? I'm guessing you, I'm guessing by the sounds, think you don't want to retire. Uh, I've never had retirement on my roadmap, if I'm honest with you. Um, I think that comes from a loving what I do and B I've, I've not worked in a corporate environment for quite some time. You know, I've had my own startups and I think that gives you a certain view on life, you know, versus people I know in their forties, fifties who they're just looking forward to their, their retirement. Um, I probably will in inverted commas retire, but, but it, you know, um, I'll still be, I'll still be doing things, that's for sure, um, around business because it's what I enjoy. Yeah, that's great. And for, uh, me, and for your, your kids as well, like, um, what would you like to, just to see with them and where their future is going? No, I think um, it's always difficult as a parent to um, put too many ideas and because I think, yeah, by definition, kids are uh, quite rightly, you know, they want to do their own thing. I think all you can really teach them is 
um, try and do something you enjoy and, and be be committed to it when you do. Um, I think, again, you know, my, my wife's had staff, I've had staff um, who unfortunately probably aren't in it for anything other than the money, um, which is fine to a point, but you've got to enjoy what you do. Um, so I think as long as you've got that work ethic, that commitment um, and and try and do something you enjoy. That's not always easy. You know, in, in fact, many times it's really, really hard and you, you don't know you enjoy it until you do it, um, which is yeah. also quite difficult. Um, so I think it's really around trying, you know, that, that work ethic is hugely important um, and, and giving people the benefit of the doubt. You know, that there are there are lots of people that have huge amount to offer Um uh, in in all walks of life, and it's just trying to make sure that they're given they're given a chance, really. No, great, yeah. I guess you know, giving them a chance is all, is all they can ask for. Mm, absolutely. And, absolutely. Uh, I know we're coming. Yeah, I know we're coming towards the end, Justin. And, and, and uh, you know, I know you're a busy man, so but <laughs> so I won't take much more of your time. But um, I have sort of five questions I like to ask at the end, and, and the mm. first note being, what is your ultimate three card garage? <laughs> that is a great question because they change over time. Um, as I say, I, I definitely want the 300 SL Roadster as a, as a, uh, a, a as an Everati. Um, it's just an epically cool car. Um, one of the other cars that I've been looking at us doing, bizarrely, um, is more of a kind of 90s sort of big boy Bentley, you know, something that is a, okay. is a proper Mulsanne or something like that, that, you know, again, would, uh, would uh, shock the purists, but actually, it's quite a cool, quite a cool thing, especially if it's got six hundred horsepower and, and what have you. Um, but then I love my Porsches. I've always loved my 911s. I've always loved. Uh, I've had a number of them in my time. Um, so I think those those kind of those cars are really important. But I, I guess we're really fortunate. We get people coming to us all the time. Can you do this? Can you do this? Um, so again, it changes over time because you kind of you kind of almost forget about certain cars. So if you look at a, a Lancia, depending on, on people's age, you know, the Lancia Delta Integrale right through to you know, Golf GTIs and, and what have you. There's so many cool cars out there. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be something big and, and ostentatious. I think there's there's just some great great cars that people you know still love and enjoy. Um, I think that's the thing about being a car lover. You kind of <laughs> It's really hard to pick three. Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those questions where you're like, <clears throat> yeah, you say it, it changes. I mean, it almost changes with the wind. Like the more you find out about cars, the more you know. The more you know, I, I actually went to a car show last month, and there was a really cool, you know, Model Y MG that I'd never seen before. Yeah, like you yeah. know, it, it, it changes. I mean, I was um, I was Monterey Car Week. Uh, we, we were in Monterey Car Week last last year. Um, just wandering around Monterey, let alone Pebble Beach, but just just the car culture is incredible. Uh, and again, you just see some cars that either you've forgotten about, um, or you see stuff that you've never seen before. Um, that just beautiful. Um, and so, yeah, the, the car world is just so exciting like that. There's so many so many things out there um, that yeah, really hard to pick three. <laughs> maybe, maybe 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 picking one would be even harder. Um, the next yeah. the next question is like. You have one car, and you can drive on any road or track, but you can only do it once. I mean, where would you go? And what would you take? Hmm. So, I mean, in terms of where I'd go, probably an alpine, you know, road, but in the summer, so something in the mountains. Um, 
uh, you know, there are some wonderful roads up around Lake Como and into the into the sort of into the Alps that, that those sorts of areas. Um, what would I be in? To be honest, probably a nine eleven. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably a nine eleven. Um, just just something that is just yeah in keeping with the the environment really. Um, so yeah, something like that. I mean, there's, a re- there's, a, there's a reason it's the the, uh, the ultimate sports car, I guess, isn't it? It's like it really is. Room. You know, you, you look at it, and actually, um, I mean, I love so many cars. You know, I've, I've had Ferraris, and I still have a Ferrari. Um, I've had, you know, but a lot more Porsches than than anything else. Um, and 911s just just do it. I don't currently have one because they don't, you know. So I, I drive the uh, the Everati 911 a lot. But my, my daily car, as I say, is a Taycan. So um, so I get elements of it. But yeah, the nine eleven is is pretty special. Yeah, no, I think it's a it's interesting. And I know you mentioned earlier on we were speaking about like people you hire and they don't do it for the money. But if the, the, the next question is if you know if money wasn't a thing, you know we didn't have to live by it, and it wasn't it wasn't a construct we hmm. we had in our lives. What do you reckon you do for a living or a job? It's a great question. Um, I love, um, so I love what I do and I love cars and I, you know, I, I want this to, to happen, but you, you touched on it earlier. I think we have a, unfortunately, a, a, a mental health pandemic globally that people don't realize. And I guess if I could find some way of helping people on that early journey, you know, there's people, there's kids, I'll, I'll say in a very broad term, but you know, there's people that are very, very young, as young as I'm aware, 12, 13, trying to cause themselves self-harm or, or, or otherwise. And um, as a society, that's pretty, da- yeah, pretty damning. Um, so if there was some way of helping in that environment, you know, I think that would be, uh, that would be a really, really lovely thing to be able to do. So, yeah, so, so that kind of area really, I think, is, um, as I say, dear to my heart, dear to my wife's heart. So I think it's, it's an area that, you know, we'd love to somehow fix whatever whatever fixing it means yeah no i think it's a i mean i've, I've had ideas now about you know in, like imagine you have 11 plus or you know in the uk we have this thing called 11 plus and it's you know it's that thing you'd use to get into secondary school well what if you what if a module of the 11 plus was how to use social media i mean like just integrating that as well yeah it's how to use social media but also how to deal with you know, it's not just about social media. That there's there's an awful lot more bullying that happens as a result of being available twenty four seven. You know, and and being able to just switch your phone off and yeah, don't be controlled by it. And I think that 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 unfortunately is you know there's a reason that um, a lot of the social media uh, software was written by people who are ex gambling industry. You know, it's all about addiction. And unfortunately, that is is a very dangerous place to be. So, um, so I think being able to just deal with it and recognise it for what it is, which is they're just trying to keep you there the whole time. Yeah. Um, and and as I say, you know, there are some in in all walks of life, and and kids are the worst. You know, trying to get one up on each other or bully each other, and just realise again that it's a journey. Um, you'll get through it, and and ways of coping with that, I think, is um, that are, are really important because. People don't tell you, as you say, you're not um, you're not taught how to use social media. You're not taught how to do some of these coping strategies. And I think that's really important. Yeah, and that's interesting. Because the next question is like, what is the advice that you'd give a younger you or someone that wants to pursue something with their passion? Um, 
This can sound bizarre, but don't take things too seriously. Because, you know, people put themselves under huge amounts of pressure these days to to do something that they either they think they should be doing or maybe their parents or their peer group. Um, the reality is I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do when I left school. I genuinely didn't. And, um, and I know a lot of people like that. And I think, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Try and identify things. You know, there'll be times when you, as you said, hospitality or others, you, you need to earn some money to do something uh, for that purpose. But try not to put too much pressure on yourself because I think that can be, yeah, a dangerous thing. There's a difference between passion and desire, but actually then putting too much pressure and, and that be- becoming the overriding thing that you worry about. Yeah. No, I agree. I completely agree because it's like, it's, you know, I mentioned one of the things earlier that I struggle with. I, put, I do. I put a huge amount of pressure on myself to, you know, mm. grow and, and and even like even the whole self development thing. I force myself. I force myself. That's sound bad. Um, I, you know, I read a lot of self self help and self development books because I want to know, you know, what people know or what I don't mm. know. So, yeah, no, it's, I guess it's, it's incredibly poignant advice. Um, and no, the last question. Sorry. No, and as I say, I, I just think that I mean, we've got friends, we've got sons and daughters who are, you know. 16, 17, 18, 19. And I think um, I just see sometimes that they've, they just, you know, they think they need to be an adult and they think they need to do certain things immediately. And life hopefully is a journey. You don't want to, A, you don't want to do it all at once and B, you can make mistakes. You know, it's not, uh, in fact, in our society in the UK, um, Hopefully, we're gradually realizing that. But you know, in the US, it's a good thing. You know, whether if you've had a few business failures, it's a good thing because you've got that good experience. Um, and and I think you just have to see that it is a journey. You're not going to get it right first time. Um, and don't worry if it doesn't turn out the way you think it might, because actually there'll there'll be something else that comes up. No, the world's full of opportunity. Just have to look for it. Um, but yeah, uh, and, the, and the last question is just in the, um, what do you love most about cars? Hmm. Uh, more than one thing. Um, <laughs> driving experience, it. just really just getting out on a on a nice day. Um, yeah, one of the greatest experiences I had not long ago was um, driving our first um, customer Porsche, um, US customer Porsche down Pacific Coast Highway on a beautiful day um, through Newport Beach, as an example. Um, so just being in it and then frankly getting out and looking at it <laughs> because they just are works of art, many of them. And I think, um, you know, there's very few modern cars. There are some supercars and others, but modern cars that give you that, you look back at them, that kind of feeling of wow. And, and that's, um, that's, that's a great, yeah, great, great thing to be able to do. So, so yeah, the driving experience on a great road um, is always is always fun, um, and yeah, being being proud of something and you know letting other people enjoy it too. Yeah. Um, well, it's yeah. Thank you, Justin, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's an honour to you know get to you know a bit more of your story and hear yeah hear the journey. It's a pleasure, Harry. Nice, nice to talk to you, and uh, no doubt we'll speak again. We were thanks to you guys listening in the top ten percent of podcasts. Most I want to set you a challenge of getting into that top 1%. So if you have ever enjoyed an episode or thought that the message from a guest was worth sharing, please send that episode to your friends. If you know someone that loves cars 
and is looking to get into the industry or change careers help give them some inspiration. 